0: it's a hot and steamy day here in Karua. I am melting. It's 34 degrees. I think that's 93 Fahrenheit for those of you who don't use Celsius. There's a breeze, but it's a hot breeze, so I can't decide if it's good or bad. Um, And I've been editing this episode in this heat. So if it's not great, I apologise, but my brain is struggling to concentrate. Anyway, enjoy. Joining me today is Mariah Hoffland. She's a recovering stay-at-home mum who got sick of doing motherhood the right way and made the brave decision to do motherhood real. And to use Mariah's words, she added herself to her to-do list and in 2021 started a coaching business to help burnt-out mums find themselves. Mariah, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. I feel like um This is good. I feel like this is going to change lives. And that's the goal.
0: Yeah, right. I totally agree. So any mums out there, get your notebook out, take notes. (laughs) I think you're going (laughs) to learn a lot. And even for people like me who aren't mums, there's a lot to learn. So I'm so excited to dive into this. And what I want to start with is this whole concept of doing motherhood right.
1: Yeah. So there is a lot of pressure available in society uh, mm-hmm. for parents for parents, right? I don't want to just say mothers because it is a it is parents in general. The default seems to be the mothers you know mm. it's like it's like that role, right? Everything sort of falls on the mother, whether you have a supportive partner, a helpful partner, a network who helps it's still seems to fall on the mother in terms of, you know, the pressure to do it the right way. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that really bothered me, um, I had my first child when I was 27, it was 2015. And I mean, I was a new mom, I didn't know what I was doing. And I had a baby with four of my, my girlfriends, we all started families the same year. And none of us had the same pregnancy and none of us had the same marriage and none of us had the same newborn, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like all this advice on social media and from your mom and your mother-in-law and just like this pressure to, to do it the right way. but. None of us knew what we were doing and we were all sort of bouncing ideas off of each other and trying to determine what the right way is. And mm. it wasn't helpful. It actually, it it was bad. This idea that if you're not breastfeeding, then you're ruining your child. Or mm. if you are not staying home with your child, so if you don't give up your career and stay home with your child, you're a monster if you send your kids to daycare. Mm. I mean, the whole... I think like the um, the natural chemicals and and the organics and all of the the safe ingredients that sort of was circulating around the same time. So then it was, well, are you using the right laundry detergent? Are you using the right bath soap? Are your you know swaddle blankets made out of the right cotton? It was a lot, mm. and it wasn't just the logistics of, you know, what bottles are you using? What blankets are you using? Are you letting your baby sleep with you? Are you letting it sleep in the crib? It was also like this personal transformation that you go through when you grow a child with your body and then produce that child. And then you are literally responsible for keeping Uh it alive. It's too much. The mental part Mm. of it is too much. The physical part of it is too much. The social part of it is too much. Nobody talked about that. And what I experienced as a new mom was a lot of loneliness.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm here to change that. I want to have those difficult conversations. I want to offer validation to the mothers who feel like they are failing every single day because they're not doing it the right way. I want to tell those moms, listen, if, the, if what you're doing is the right way for your family, then you're doing it the right way. And it doesn't matter what your neighbors are doing. And it doesn't matter what your mother-in-law says. That's sort of, you know, where I was at when I became a mom. And it was a lot to, it was a lot to um,
0: experience. It was a lot. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that felt totally overwhelming.
1: Yeah. Overwhelming is a word. You know, one of the, um, one of the like cliche pieces of advice that people say to Mm. expecting parents or new mothers is, you know, cherish every moment or enjoy Mm -hmm. every minute because it goes Mm -hmm. by so fast. And I promise you every single time somebody would say that to me, I would like, I would feel so terrible because it's like, enjoy every minute. Like my days are the longest days of my life. And also I can't remember anything I'm doing because it's such Mm -hmm. a blur and you're just like Mm -hmm. on autopilot and I don't enjoy being awake all night long. And I don't enjoy Mm -hmm. that my child is colic and I don't know what's wrong And I don't enjoy Mm -hmm. tantrums and I don't enjoy diaper changes. Like there's the the list of things that are unenjoyable in motherhood is long and nobody talks about that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just, it's just posting all the beautiful pictures on Instagram and going to the zoo Mm -hmm. and baking cookies. And like, I do those things, right? I share the good stuff, Mm -hmm. but what I realized along the way, I now have three children and we're growing our family um, for a fourth. And what I have realized along the way is like, you got to share the good and the bad because mm-hmm. it does something inside of you when you open up that. Because that's when people, it resonates with people. And then they send you those private messages or they comment and they say, hey, Thanks for sharing that. I've felt that way too. And I thought I was the only Mm. one. Mm.
0: Mm.
1: And that's, and getting so many of those messages is kind of like, holy crap. Like I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only one, you know? (laughs) And then you just, and then this just like, it, it just, it honestly has just sort of snowballed because I've always just been a very honest and very, um, authentic about my presence on social media and especially about like motherhood because I am a stay-at-home mom. So that version of motherhood is different than right. the working mother or even just like I have a partner. That's different than those people who are doing it as a single parent. So mm-hmm. the term motherhood has a lot, of, a lot of categories. right? And I'm just here to try to let everyone off the hook a little bit so that, you know, we can find joy because there is joy in motherhood and Mm. it gets lost in all of the pressure and the guilt. So
0: how did you move through all that pressure and guilt? Gosh,
1: you know, I didn't, it's not like I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I don't feel guilty anymore or I'm a perfect mother. And you know, like it, it, it was gradual it was like mm. okay that first year of motherhood I'm a new mom I don't know what I'm doing but I I knew that I wasn't the only one who didn't know what I was doing and so there became like a a certain aspect of like humor in that right like right. fake it till you make it as a new mom right yeah. um and so that that helped alleviate a little bit what I will say is that the theme through my first I would say gosh through my first two children, so, you know, from 2015 through 2000, and I would say 19, I wasn't happy. I wasn't present. I was just in, like, go mode. And I didn't know I wasn't happy. I didn't know I wasn't present. I didn't know that I was a robot. I was just doing the next right thing, you know? And the pandemic happened suddenly everything's different mm. schedules who we can see who we can't see leaving the house school i also became pregnant with our third during the pandemic wow it was a lot it was um mm. it was a lot of change all at the same time and i was really low during that third pregnancy and I had a lot of um, anger. I was really angry. Because I'm like, you know, why? Why is this happening? Like, why haven't we been through enough as like mothers and now, like all of our kids are home and we're trying to teach them while we're also trying to keep the house together. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to grow a child like there was a lot of um, there was a lot of pressure and There wasn't the option for a babysitter. I couldn't bring anybody into my house. And my husband, who's a wonderful partner and father, he works in beer. And what was essential during the pandemic? Alcohol, unfortunately, was. So he didn't, he wasn't working from home. He wasn't, he had more hours. He was working more. And then, you know, it was a pandemic or it was a, excuse me, it was an election year. Here in the United States, and that was hard. The social issues, the, all of the things that were sort of tied into the 2020 election um, hit me pretty personally as a woman and as a mother. And um, mm. that was, it was just, it was like every single thing and all the feelings that I had and all the thoughts that I had sort of came to a head in 2020. And after I had my third baby... Um, in December of 2020, I, something just kind of shifted. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to feel like this. This isn't how I want to feel in my life. That was a really crucial time for me because I realized I was unhappy. I considered my life and what was making me unhappy. And then I had to move into guilt mode because, oh Mariah, your life is so hard. You have a beautiful family. You have a husband who's supportive. COVID didn't ruin you guys physically or financially. There was a lot of there is a lot of really good things in my life, but Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good inside. So I made the decision to get to work. And figure out, what is that? Why do you feel like this? Where is that coming from? What does it mean? How does it, does it have to feel like this? I didn't accept that. I didn't accept that I had to feel that way.
0: Hmm. Was that really challenging for you to actually start unpacking that?
1: It was, it was. It was really challenging because it was taking on something else, right? Right in a time where like my list is already full it was taking on something else it was a lot to explain to my husband at the time mm. to tell him i'm unhappy with our life not 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 the the not our life but like my my role in our life and and he right away is like well like get a job like we can do daycare you can get out of the house you don't have to do this you've never had to do this mm. and It was like, that wasn't the answer either. And it's like, it's it's not that I don't want to be home with our children. I just don't want to only be home with our children. I don't want to only be a mother. I want to find me again. And that is sort of where, more than mama, my coaching business came from. Because I want every mother out there to know that, yes, being a mother is wonderful and magical and meaningful, but you are more than a mama. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It can be, you know, your your family can be your everything without being your only thing. And that's what I sort of realized. And I started, like you said in the beginning, I started putting myself on my list of people to take care of, on my to-do list. Because it wasn't, I wasn't, I was not thriving. And Mm. I think every mother and parent knows that if one of the parents or the mother is not thriving, like, the train's going to go off the tracks at some point. Right. It's all going to break down.
0: Yeah. And so how did you make that transition from, I guess, kind of falling into motherhood and, or getting lost in motherhood almost. How yeah. did you make that transition from there to establishing a coaching business?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I mean, it wasn't overnight. It wasn't like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. It was like, as soon as I realized that, well, first of all, as soon as I realized that the feelings that I was having and some of the symptoms that I was experiencing I realized that it was my depression. It was my anxiety. Mm -hmm. It wasn't me. You know, like some of that stuff is chemical. Some of that stuff is not, depression is never somebody's fault. Anxiety Mm -hmm. is never somebody's fault. Um, And you can get into habits and cycles and seasons where you just live through it because there doesn't seem to be another option. Mm -hmm. And... Things were in America were starting to open back up a little bit at the time. And so I was able to, you know, I called um, the therapist that I was seeing virtually through the pandemic. She and I never really connected and I didn't feel real good about it. And so I only had one or two sessions with her initially, and I actually ended care with her. And then I took a big deep dive into like the bios of like the, the other options for me. And Mm -hmm. I ended up choosing a woman and we had a phone conversation and we sort of aligned. And I was like, you know what? I think this is going to be good. I think I'd really like to work with you. And that was in 2021. And I actually just had my like last session with her this week because she's like, you have graduated. Like you are not the same person that you were when you walked in here. Like you're complete, like you've evolved. And so the first thing that I did during that transformational period, when I realized I didn't want to feel like this anymore was I took therapy really seriously. Mm -hmm. I made sure that I had a therapist that I aligned with. I was very honest about why I was there. And I, I stayed the course and I did the work and Mm -hmm. what I think that people, I think what keeps people stuck or, prevents them from growing personally is the ability to be honest with themselves. Right. It's a very difficult thing to do to look in the mirror and acknowledge some things. And I did that and mm-hmm. I didn't really like what I saw, but I knew that I didn't like it. So it's like, okay, if I don't like this, I can change this. I can do better. I can be better. You know, I don't think there is a, a mother out there who doesn't want to be a great mom for their kids. That's not what right. this was. You know, this was, this was, I love my children and I, I'm i so grateful that I get to be with them every day. But sometimes I don't want to be with them. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I didn't know it was okay. I felt like a right. monster. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's also a great big group of people who cannot have children and struggle for years and have Mm -hmm. all kinds of, you know, challenges and and it's heartbreaking. And here I am with these three beautiful children that I didn't have to jump through hoops to get. And I have the audacity to not want to spend all my life or all my days with them. You know, it's a very touchy little, little road there. And I needed to really get right with myself in my head and in my heart about that. And what ultimately, what it came down to is mindset, right? Mm. I had to be really honest with myself. And then I had to sort of make like some mindset shifts. Like, okay, my kids are being really difficult today. It's just today. It's not my entire life. It's not going to last forever. They're children. They're growing. They don't understand. Nobody's perfect. And so I sort of started acknowledging that. Like, listen, you guys are having a hard time right now. I'm not handling it well. I yelled. I'm sorry that I yelled. Mm -hmm. But... Just because I'm taller than you and older than you doesn't mean I have it all figured out. I'm not perfect. I'm a human. You're a human. You're screaming at me because you don't have your shoes on the right feet. I'm screaming at you because you won't let me help you. It's so stupid. We're both mad. (laughs) But like, we're human, right? And Mm -hmm. you got to acknowledge that. And so letting myself off the hook a little bit and just acknowledging that like, it's okay if I'm not a perfect mom. There's no such thing as a perfect mom. Like it's not attainable because there's mm. no such thing as a perfect human, you know? Right, yeah. And to my children, I am the perfect mom. They think the sun shines out of every piece of my body. Like they cannot yeah. wait to see me in the morning. They want to sleep with me at night. To my children, I am the world. Mm. And that. That is important to, to also pay attention to, you know mm-hmm. So your original question, what what sort of like helped me get out of that place where I decided that I was going to you know change? Um, being being honest with myself, really, acknowledging what I was feeling, what I wanted to feel, and then doing the work to get there.
0: Mm. So my next big question.
1: I okay, kind of know ready. the
0: answer, but I'm going to ask, has the guilt disappeared?
1: Has the guilt disappeared? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. It hasn't disappeared, but it doesn't take me out the way that it used to. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. It mm-hmm. used to be, um, I, I practice hot yoga. My favorite form of exercise. Um, mm-hmm. I started before we had children, and um, throughout my pregnancy journeys, and you know, nursing my children, and, and just being a mom, my practice has not been consistent or strong. So I've taken a lot of breaks, and yeah. one of the things that I always would try to get back into my schedule as soon as I could, like physically do it in like a healthy way, because when you're pregnant, my doctor's like. Don't do hot yoga. Um, And when you're nursing, it's not always comfortable because all the things. So Mm -hmm. I would start trying to get yoga back on my schedule. And if it meant that I had to miss dinner, I wouldn't go. If it meant that I couldn't put my kids to bed, I wouldn't go. Like I would literally talk myself out of doing things that were going to like make me, you know, give me a real break and help pour into myself fill my own cup, you know, because I felt like a monster because I wasn't eating dinner with my family or I wasn't putting my kids to bed. That's not the case anymore because I have come to the other side of it. And I have learned that putting your kids to get to bed when you're burnt out and everyone's fighting and everyone's yelling, that's not better than missing it all (laughs) together. You know, like if my husband gets home from work and he knows that I've had a day then me getting to step away is the best thing for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so making sure that I schedule those things that I want to do for me, that make me a better Mariah, that re- reset me, fill me up with a joy, make me feel like I'm taking care of myself as well as everybody else in my family. Those are the things... That I choose to do in spite of the little, you know, like twinges of guilt that I feel. And so when you say, did it go away? It didn't go away. But the difference now is that I know what it is, I can recognize it, and I know Mm -hmm. how to. It's back to that mindset. You have to really think about this like, okay, I feel a little bit guilty. Where is that coming from? How real is that for me? Mm. Yep how real is that for me and then you know what is going to make what's the best decision for me right now because this is what it's about mm-hmm. right me going to yoga has nothing to do with everybody else in my family do i need right. this right now mm-hmm. and then and then you know making the decision that's the best decision for me in those moments
0: yeah let's go back to what you just said that question of how real is this guilt how do you mm-hmm. work through that? Because I feel that's probably a question not a lot of us ask ourselves. Mm-mm.
1: You know, that's one of my favorite questions to ask when I'm working with my coaching clients. Like, how real is that feeling for you? And it's definitely one that like gets people thinking. And I, the answer to that question is is always different than you think it's going to be. Right. Um, how real is that for you? So when I'm Let's say I'm, I'm not, um, my daughter has dance uh, practice on Tuesdays and our whole family used to go because the the club that we go to has like a gym or my one daughter can play basketball and there's like a play space for my son. So like we can all kind of go hang out while my one mm-hmm. daughter's in practice. And during this session of dance, I've stopped going. My husband just takes the three kids and I have that hour to sit down and read or shower or, you know, whatever I decide to do. Um, and I haven't felt guilty about that even one time because what like, what is, what is, what am I missing? I spent my whole day with, with, you know, right. and they're going to have fun whether I'm there or not. I'm probably just going to sit down and watch them do whatever they're doing. I'll probably bring mm-hmm. my book and read my book anyway, or get back to some emails or whatever. So how real is that guilt right now? Well, it's not really real at all, actually. And mm. it's just like an old habit. Feeling that way yes. is just like an old habit.
0: And how do, you, how do you navigate breaking those old habits when you have a partner? Because I feel like they play a role too, right? You've been yeah. doing motherhood or parenthood a certain way for so long. So how did you navigate that with your partner to find balance again
1: you know we had after I started working with my new therapist um one of the things that sort of kept coming up for me was how we were parenting and like I said it was also during the election right so it was like a lot Mm. of questions about like women's rights and you know the 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 gender equality all of the things Mm -hmm. right and there was um, there was a lot during that time. There's there's still a lot of work to be done. Having those conversations with my husband helped me realize that not only was there some confusion on both of our parts about some of it and how would we, how we would handle some of those scenarios, how we wanted to show up as parents during those difficult conversations, how we wanted to parent if certain situations ever arose in our future, it was really important to me that we got on the same page with that stuff. You know, like we're raising two girls and a boy yeah. and I am a strong female and I have very liberal, um, views. So right. parenting is a lot, you know, like, We don't lie to our kids. We have conversations. There was a lot of conversations about Donald Trump. There was a lot of conversations about, you know, there were days where I was crying because I was worried and afraid. And my oldest daughter would ask, what's the matter? You know, because they know that there's an election. They're talking about it at school. They're having pretend elections at Mm -hmm. school. They're doing all of the things. So it was an open discussion. And was every... that happened a conversation no we protected our children from some of that but the point is is that during that time my husband and i had to have a very honest conversation about what track we were on and if it Mm -hmm. was if it was the same one and so we actually met with my therapist more than once and had like a a a couple's uh counseling and Mm -hmm. we talked about you know our morals and our values and how we how we see our family life going and what we want for our family. And we, we realize that we want the same things. And we're on the same page. And and mm. everything sort of aligned at that point. So that was really good, because that was around, gosh, it's going to be 10 years next month that we've been married. So that was what, like mm. six, around six or seven years. Um, and it was just a good idea to have a check in at that point. And It just was sort of forced because of like my epiphany, (laughs) you know, Um, and so that that really helped. And I think going forward from that, my husband just really understood, okay, Mariah needs more and Mm. I'm going to support her in whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so we are just very open with each other. I tell him, hey, I'm having a heavy day. I don't know what it is. I just feel kind of wonky today. I just need like a little extra care or extra space. And he mm-hmm. can tag in like, do you need alone time? What, you know, like, what is it? And and mm-hmm. so that's been really good um, in terms of how parenting, you know, kind of switched because now I'm not, I'm not their back and call. I'm not the 24 seven, you know, chauffeur mm-hmm. and housemaid and all the things. I was honest. I told my kids, you guys are driving me crazy. I need to get out of the house for a few minutes. (laughs) I need to do something for just me. You know, my my middle daughter would cry when I would leave for yoga. I don't want you to leave. And it's like, I'm sorry you don't want me to leave, but I like yoga. I want to do something that I like to do, you know? And so just being very honest with them about how I was feeling and what I needed to feel better. And then modeling that and doing those things. I see the changes in them too, Mm. because, because it's a, you know, what's the best being an example is like the best way to help people learn. Right. So when they see their mom taking care of themselves, they then understand that they should take care of themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's so powerful. But I, uh, I also feel like that goes against the status quo, right? I don't think a lot of parents are that honest with their children. So how did you, I mean, how did you find the courage to do that? Was it scary or was it something that just felt right?
1: It wasn't, no, scary is the wrong word. It did feel right. It felt natural. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house where, Nobody talked about the problems that were happening. Everyone mm. pretended everything was great. There was a lot of yelling, there was a lot of blaming, there was a lot of mm. toxic uh not not good stuff. And I have always been the black sheep of the family because I've always mm-hmm. just been honest and direct. And yeah. I figured out from a very young age that I didn't take my parents seriously. Mm. I remember catching them in lies a few times. I remember witnessing them lie to other people. Um, yeah. And I just always was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, this doesn't feel like the way that you're supposed to, like, do life. And I I didn't have, like, healthy, excuse me, healthy relationships modeled for me. And so growing up, my relationships in high school were not healthy with friendships or significant others, that moved right along with me into my early 20s and into college. And I had this nasty habit of always feeling like I was too much for the room. Instead Mm. of embracing that and finding the people that wanted to celebrate that, I Mm. somehow was always surrounding myself with the people who wanted to like dull my shine because that's what I knew from growing up. And Uh so my husband and I actually met in college and dated briefly and it didn't, we didn't stay together. Thank goodness, because it wouldn't have lasted if we had, but we took a like a four year break actually, where we didn't have any communication and we were not, we were doing our own thing. Mm. And when we reconnected, I was really in a place To have a relationship with someone who wanted to celebrate who I was. Mm -hmm. And he had always been that person, even the first time we dated. But I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to receive that. I didn't love myself. I had, I spent my entire life being told, you're too loud, you're too dramatic, you're too this, you're Mm -hmm. too that. A lot of attention because of my looks. And it made me, it just has always made me feel wrong. And Mm. so, yeah. And so when my husband and I, when we reconnected, I had just spent about a year, I had moved away, I moved, I live in Wisconsin right now. But after college, I moved to Colorado for about a year, Mm -hmm. and just kind of did whatever I wanted to do and hung out and had Mm -hmm. fun and I was 23 and that was when we reconnected and I was just in a place where it was like okay I'm ready to be loved the way that I like deserve to be loved mm-hmm. and I'm ready to like pour into another person the way that I the way that I do the way that I love like everybody has a way that they love right from the beginning we've always wanted to parent different than our parents parented and so mm-hmm. you ask was it hard to be honest with your children no Because I wish that my parents had been honest with me, right? Because kids are not stupid. And if I thought some of the decisions that my parents made were like foolish or I judged them for it, or I was like, I can't even get on your level right now as a kid or as a teenager or as a young adult, I don't want my kids to think I'm like not a good person. It's very important Mm -hmm. to me that I'm a good person and that we're raising good people. Mm -hmm. Because I think it starts at home. And I think it's intentional work that has to be done.
0: Yeah. And if we go back to what you said about learning to love yourself, what would your advice be for women in particular out there who aren't at that point yet, but they sort of have recognized that they need a change? What would be your advice to get to that point?
1: So it just comes back to that honesty thing. I feel like it all comes back to being honest. Like, uh-huh. You have to be honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, like, for example, if you lie in therapy, are you going to yeah. grow? Nope. If you mm-hmm. lie in a relationship, is that relationship going to thrive and be healthy? No. If you lie to your children, like you can't live on lies. If you feel something inside and you're like, I am meant for more. There's something in there. I can't quite touch it, but I know there's something in there because I have that feeling. Mm-hmm. The, the fastest way to that is honesty. What am I feeling? Where does that come from? You know, like for me, I have always had a lot to say and I've always had really big feelings. And I mm. would love to be like on a stage someday as like a motivational speaker or, you know, whatever. I grew up feeling like I should be smaller. I should shrink, right? You're too dramatic. You're overreacting. That's not really what happened. Mm. This, you know, you're you're too much, Mariah. But that's my superpower. Right. You know, like being too much is my superpower. But I didn't know that until I started like examining, like, why do you feel like you have to shrink? When, mm. when it goes against how you physically feel, when it feels bad to make yourself smaller, why is that? Where does that come from? Where did this mm. idea where you're supposed to shrink come from? Mm. If it came from your childhood, okay, let's go back to your childhood. Who made you feel like you have to shrink? Your parents. Okay. What's your opinion of your parents in terms of respect, in terms of like, you know, how real is that for you? Mm hmm. You know, you kind of have to work backward a little bit before you can work forward, because if you can't understand where those feelings come from, you can't really break down how real they are for you. Right. Is it something you were told? Is it something you learned? Is it something you saw? You know, because a lot of the times it's not something you came up with on your own.
0: Yeah. And I think we're so conditioned. Oh, yeah. Especially
1: women. Right. You can't be like too big or too small. You can't be too loud or too quiet. You can't be a stay-at-home mom. You can't go to work. Like there's so many rules and parameters and boxes, but but it's all everybody else telling us what we should be doing when really we should be asking ourselves, what do you want to do? Right. Yeah. But there's no, but there's no room for that, right? There's not a lot of room for that. So my my goal when I work with, with women is what do you want to do? Like what's missing right now? Cause we can figure out a way to add that in, you know, there's going to be yeah. sacrifice. It's not going to be yeah. easy. You're going to have to change some of those limited beliefs and some of that like old thinking. You're going to have to rewrite the rules that have been written for you. Right. Because a lot mm-hmm. of the time you get to like midlife and you find yourself like, You know, sort of lost or spiraling. And it's like, well, what rules are you living in your life? And where did those rules come from? Work hard. Okay. Where did you learn that? Does work, what does work hard mean to you? Does that mean drive yourself into the ground, always do overtime, never have any time for fun? Is that what work hard is for you? Well, yeah. My dad, blah, blah, blah. He never went on vacation. He never did this. He never did that. Like there are rules.
0: Yeah. They're like these unspoken rules. And, I think a lot of us don't stop to question whether these rules or beliefs are actually our own. Like you were saying, you really gotta be honest with yourself and go, hang on, where did this come from? And quite often we didn't come up with it. Right. So it's right. Un- no. yeah, almost deconditioning yourself and discovering yeah. yourself from the ground up. And yeah. you've mentioned honesty over and over through this episode. And I think that's so true. And I want people listening to know, and you've mentioned this, it's not easy. It is hard work. But I think life is going to change if you do that hard work. So can you share how has your life changed?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am joyful. I am at peace. I seek, I seek out joy in my day to day. I've taken the pressure off of myself. It's okay if like a day doesn't go the way that it's planned or the way that you expect uh-huh. to. We are humans, we can adapt. And I've accepted that okay, I planned on doing this today. Now I have a kid home sick. So now today I'm not working. Today I'm a mom. And if I mm-hmm. try to do both, everyone's going to cry and I'm not going to get anything done. I'm not going to be a good mom. I'm not going to be a good coach. So today is just a mom day. And you know what? I'm present. I hang out with my kid. I have fun. I try to like be supportive and be there for them, whatever their sickness is or whatever the issue is. And I just lean into that because here's what I've learned. You can wear or you can have as many hats in your closet as you want to wear. And you can wear all of them, but you cannot wear more than one at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was trying to do. I was burnt out on trying uh-huh. to wear all my hats at the same time, and I felt like a failure because I couldn't be a hundred percent here and a hundred percent here and a hundred percent here. You know, like it was like I was pie, and it was all getting divided up, and and it sucked. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. I really have just started prioritizing myself. And I think that it looks a little different to everybody because everybody has different hobbies, right? And some people have no hobbies and that's a Mm. really scary place to be. Sometimes I'll talk to these, these women and it's like, okay, what's, what's like one thing that you can do for yourself this week? One thing. And these women just stare at me. They're like, Mm. they, they can't come up with it. And it's like, okay, okay. Well, what do you like to do? and And it's like they can't remember, okay. Mm-hmm. What did you used to like to do? You know, and right. so I've started really considering how I want to spend my time and then doing that. Mm-hmm. Some uh, women, they work out of the house and they have a really hard time because mm-hmm. family dinners don't happen. And there's a lot of guilt that surrounds that. Like meal times are mm-hmm. chaos for them because everybody it's just a mess. And I'm like, you know, what really bothers you? About that, And it's like, well, I like my job, but it keeps me away from like this tradition that like I had growing up, you know, my family always sat Mm -hmm. down at the table. And I wanted to do that with my family. And it's like, okay, is it reasonable for your life to spend seven days a week having a family dinner? She's like, no, it's not. And I was like, okay, well, like, what is reasonable? How many days can you do it without without having to bend? in ways that are uncomfortable. And I think mm-hmm. she she ended up figuring out that it was like one or two nights a week they had a family dinner. And it's like, okay, those two dinners are so meaningful for your kids. That's so intentional and so magical. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that it's not 7 days a week. One or two days is better than no days. You know, so it's like a mindset uh-huh. thing. It's not yeah. about all of it at once. It's it's about a little it's about give and take here and there. And so that yeah. is what I have learned. I have learned that I can't be everything to everyone at the same time. I have learned to say no to things that I don't want to do. Like if I'm sitting Mm -hmm. down and I'm reading a book and everything's quiet and my child comes to me and they're like, will you play this game with me? If I want to play that game, I play the game. If I don't want to, I'm actually reading right now, but you could ask your dad or your sister, whoever, or Mm -hmm. let me finish this chapter and then I'll take a break and we'll play the game. But it used to be, mom, and I, whatever I'm doing, I drop and go run to right. my kids. Right. It doesn't teach them anything good, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. And I, I, learning to say no can be really challenging. It's so important. We need to learn to put ourselves first because I think, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I feel like it allows us to show up in a better way. And in your case, it would allow you to show up as a better mother, a better partner, you know, a better coach in your business because you're learning to put your needs first because, you know, it's such a cliche, but if you don't look after yourself, how are you going to look after other people? Yeah.
1: You know, I tell one of the things that I say in my coaching business is taking care of yourself as part of taking care of your kids. Mm, Yes. You know, because it is, you can't, you can't be you can't show up in a meaningful way if you're always stressed and you're always tired and you're always burnt out and you're always a scatterbrain thinking of all the things that you're supposed to do. And so you asked me like, what changed for me or how, like, what's your life like now? And it's like, I am so intentional with my time. And what I mean by that is I, whatever I'm doing is, is what I'm meant to be doing. And I actually learned that when I got my coaching license, the program I went through, I was pretty, we had like a group and the group of five women that I was um, matched up with, we got pretty close. And one of the women was like, my viewpoint and my like motto is whatever I'm doing right now, that's my purpose. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing. If it's grocery shopping, I don't need to worry about the meeting that's coming up. I don't need to worry about whatever. I'm grocery shopping Mm -hmm. right now. It's a silly example, but it's like, it's so true. So when I'm spending time with my kids, I'm with my kids. I'm not thinking about the email that I want to send. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do. Like it's, it's, it's a human thing to always be thinking of the next thing, right? Anticipating what's next. That's normal. That's why most people can't meditate, right? Because they can't turn off their brain. Um, But that is also why meditation is so valuable because it helps you Mm. slow down and stay present. And so I know that it's like cliche for me to say that I've learned to be present, but it truly has changed. And if I find myself unable to like sit on the floor and play with my kid, like there's a reason. Like, what is it, what's bothering me? And then I have to really Mm -hmm. be honest about that. Like, is it that I don't want to be playing right now? Okay, don't play right now. Step away because being there with, and you don't really want to be, like that doesn't do anything for anyone either. It's a lot of, like I said, it's just a lot of like checking in with yourself. Check your mindset as often as you check your phone.
0: Wow, yeah. Yeah. And most of us check our phones a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Well, and honestly, it's funny because that's one of the other things that I've really dialed back is how much time I spend on social media. Um, Mm. Because the thing that was missing in my life was me time. And so I really had to like pull pockets, right? Like, It's not like I somehow figured out how to add five extra hours into our day. I had to Mm -hmm. move things around. I had to change things around. And one of the things that I was doing that was a time suck was scrolling on my phone. And it doesn't make you happy. That's all garbage out there. It's all it makes you do is compare your life to everybody Mm -hmm. else. Oh, they're doing that. Well, why didn't I think to do that? Or they look so good in that picture. Why can't I dress like that? Or, you know, God only knows. There's a million examples. But Social media, it's not a, like a safe, healthy space for your mind. And I don't feel good after scrolling mm. my phone for 30 minutes. My brain feels like fuzzy. And it's mm. like, it's a waste of time, in my opinion. I think that social media can be a meaningful thing if people, if you, you have boundaries, healthy boundaries. And one of the things that I realized is that I was wasting time just screwing around on my phone and it wasn't even making me happy. And so mm. I stopped doing that.
0: Yeah, simple as that, right? And I, <laughs> I feel mean, like- I you don't
1: miss it when it's not there.
0: Exactly. And I'd like to know if you agree with this. I think getting clear on what's important to you and your values really helps you make those decisions. It's like, well, you know, what's important to me? Looking after myself, spending time with my kids, my husband, my partner. And is sitting on social media allowing me to do this? Is it giving me joy?
1: You know, and I really had to work through some of that because social media is also a tool that I use to run my business.
0: Right. And so
1: I started to feel really resentful about that because it's like, I don't want to post. I want to coach, but like I can't coach if I don't have clients and I got to get clients, you know. So Mm -hmm. there is a little bit of a like give give and take in that scenario. I really tried to, you know, I saw, um, gosh, who was it? Oh, at we had uh, a couple different Thanksgivings. And at one of my Thanksgivings, I saw one of my cousins that I haven't seen in years, but we communicate mm-hmm. a lot on social media. And she she hugged me and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I like saw you yesterday because we, you know, whatever. And I was like, I know, isn't it crazy? And then we didn't really have anything to talk about. And I was like, it's so funny that we don't have anything to talk about because, we've seen everything that we've been doing. It's like, we've already been talking. And I said, isn't that crazy that that's what social media does to you? You can't even have a conversation with people because it's just wild. I just, I don't know. I tried really, I tried to dial back my social media presence. It has affected my business in some ways. I'm not moving as quickly as I had hoped to move. But if the trade-off is like peace and like Mm. mental clarity, rather than that mm. buzzing noise that I hear from mm-hmm, being on social mm-hmm. for too long, like those things are good. The work that I can put out there is better because I am better.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of running a business, there's a lot of expectations on that as well. You know, things I hear when, as I'm trying to start up my business is, you know, you got to scale, 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 and, you know, you got to grow fast. But like you said, is that's not you know if it doesn't feel right if it's not bringing you peace then why are you doing it?
1: Yeah, that's very common. People get very burnt out quickly starting new businesses. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of times why they fail in the beginning cuz they get burnt out from like the go 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 hustle culture that's on mm-hmm. social media. I am very much I feel like I'm like in tune with the universe and I have a lot of um belief in that like what you put out comes back. And like, Mm -hmm. there's abundance and there's all the things. I believe that when you're on social media, if you're about to post something or put something out there, if you're not in the right space to do it, if you don't feel good about what you're putting out there, if you feel resentful that you have to post, or you like, just, if you don't feel good, that is what is coming across to people. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find the people that are there to receive you. You're going to find the people that are also feeling crappy or also, you know, so it's like, The universe is always paying attention.
0: I think that's really good advice. If it doesn't feel right, then what are you doing, right? That's a huge red flag.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If you can't intentionally, you know, participate in a way that like feels authentic, it's just not going to work. And that's like a lot of people, you know, social media is like the highlight reel, right? It's all the, the good stuff. And people say to me, I feel like I gravitate towards you because of how honest you are and because you show mm. the raw part of it too and you talk about that the difficult stuff. And hey, I I'm, I'm not for everyone. I know that. I know that not everybody can handle how honest I am or how direct I am. I know that people do not want like to share their business or have those difficult conversations. And that's fine. Everyone should do what works for them. But I don't actually believe that not being honest and living a life that doesn't bring you joy is working for anyone. I think it's a lot Mm -hmm. of just like stuck. You're stuck and you've accepted it.
0: Mm -hmm. And a lot of us aren't being honest with ourselves, right? So we're not even acknowledging it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just coming out in other ways, right? Bad habits. Mm -hmm. toxic behavior. You have to, you have to, I always, whenever I'm like starting to like feel my body, like when I'm like, okay, I'm getting anxious or, Oh, I feel like I'm getting mad or I feel like I'm getting resentful. I always ask myself, where is this coming from? Because it's not the situation at hand ever. It's Mm -hmm. always Mm. something else. You know, I'm not yelling at my kids right now because you know, of what they're doing. It's because my husband has worked the last seven days in a row and my kids had a week off of school and one of them is sick and the other one has pink eye and I'm burnt out. That's why I'm yelling. I'm not yelling because mm-hmm. I care about whatever is going on. I am yelling because I need a break.
0: So true. <laughs> so true. Let's change tack a bit. A final question it's a bit of a tradition now on the podcast is I like to ask my guests, what does freedom mean to you? The podcast is called The Pursuit of Freedom. So this is something I'd like to know your take on.
1: So freedom to me means that I can be exactly who I am and be joyful. Mm. I just want to find joy in my life. I want to raise healthy children you know, mentally healthy children. And I want to be able to experience my life. That's what freedom means to me, being able to experience my life. Because I think it's very easy to get stuck into like the day to day routine hmm. and not take into consideration that we only get a hundred years. There's nothing more. You know, you don't get you don't get a second chance. And so Mm. if you're in a job that you hate, probably something to reconsider. If you're in a relationship that's not good, probably something to consider. Most people stay stuck because changing is hard and Mm. making those decisions is hard. It's like, what is it costing you to stay in that abusive relationship? What is it costing you? to stay at that job that you hate because when you get home, you're a monster because you feel Mm -hmm. all upset about your job and then you take it out on your kids and then your kids get older and what do they remember? The freedom, freedom to me means being, having the ability to seek joy.
0: Mm, That's beautiful. And I, I just want to go back to something you said, which really resonates with me. You know, what is the cost? I think we often focus on the downsides of making this change you know, as humans, we're, we're programmed to avoid pain. And so we, mm-hmm. we look at the potential risks, and we're like, oh, I can't do that. But if you switch your thinking and go, well, what's the cost of me staying how I am now? I think it makes the decision pretty clear in most cases.
1: Absolutely. And then you just what it comes down to is bra- being brave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have what it takes to change your life? Do you, do, you, or do you care enough to be the person that you've always wanted to be?
0: Mmm, that's powerful. Do you care enough to be the person you want to be? Mmm. Mariah, thank you so much. I have learnt a lot through this conversation. Being honest with yourself, asking yourself, how real are my feelings right now, especially when it centres around guilt? There's no real, uh, sorry, there's no right way to be a mother looks different for everybody and, you know, freedom looks different for everybody too. So it was beautiful to hear your take on it and, you know, your thoughts on thinking about the cost of your decisions I think is so important. So once again, thank you so much. I hope to have you on the show again because I know you have so much more wisdom to share. It's been an absolute blast. So thank you. Thank you
1: so much. Thank you for asking um, meaningful questions. I just appreciate the opportunity to have these conversations because they're important. So thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. This episode resonated with you at all. Could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember you matter, you're worth it and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself and I'll see you next week.